Good morning. He has risen. And that is such good news, such exciting news that he has risen indeed. Isn't it? It uh, gives us great joy to know that he has risen. And we sing about the cross, and rightly we should. And it's a very somber thing in many ways to sing about the cross, knowing the pain, the agony when Christ took our sins upon himself. And yet, how somber that is and how serious that is, is contrasted with the joy, the glory, the rejoicing we have uh, because of the resurrection. And I just so much like Jubilant Sykes, hopefully you were there in an earlier service today to hear him sing. And that song, which I will not even attempt to sing any part of it, you do not have to flee, I will not try to sing it, but just, you know, it causes me to tremble, and it's repeated over and over again, very somber. And at the end, you know, I feel like shouting glory, and he, you know, shouts it out. And uh, that is the contrast, that is the, the sadness of the cross, and the, the somberness of it, and yet the joy of the resurrection. I want to look with you this morning, the time we have remaining, uh, the first part of 1 Corinthians 15. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. And we're just going to look at the first four verses of 1 Corinthians 15, certainly not the whole chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 4. Paul writes, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, and which also you stand, by which also you are saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to to the scriptures. Uh, let's, let's pray one more time before we look at this passage. Father, help us understand your word and understand the importance and the joy of the resurrection. Lord, we pray that the truth of the resurrection, that which we already believe, we already know, would impress upon our hearts and change our lives each and every day, God, that we might honor you. We ask this in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I'm sure you're familiar with the book of 1 Corinthians. We've been able to hear from it. Carlos has been preaching some from 1 Corinthians. And this church was a piece of work. Uh, they had their problems, uh, without question. And you, and you know this, that one of the things that we've been hearing about are the factions within the church. Um, they were saying, I'm of Paulus, I'm of Paul. So we had factions within the church. There was worldliness, sexual immorality in the church was a problem. Um, later, Paul has to address the issue of Christian liberty and not eating meat to idols because there were arguments over that. And then there were issues of spiritual gifts of people wanting um, to be getting recognition for themselves and doing spiritual gifts. All problems in the church. But one of the ones he addresses in chapter 15 is perhaps the biggest problem in the church. And he addresses it, takes the whole chapter to talk about the resurrection. And why did he bring up the resurrection? Why was this an issue? Well, look at verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 15. In verse 12, he says, 
Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection of the dead? There were some of those in the church saying there was no resurrection of the dead. Now, they weren't talking about Christ's resurrection of the dead. They believed that. As I'm sure most, if not all of you, believe in Christ's resurrection from the dead. But they didn't believe that their bodies would be resurrected one day. And so Paul recognized this is a big problem. They need to understand this, this life is not the end. That there is something after this life. We will be resurrected. And so what does he do? How does he address this issue? Well, the first thing he does in the first 11 verses is to go back and remind them of what they already believe. And they already believe and already know Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. So he takes these first 11 verses and walks through proofs of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. Now, these aren't proofs as you would think I can prove to a non-Christian. And I just give them these proofs here in 1 Corinthians 15, and, and now they'll believe. These are proofs for the believer, reminders for the believer. It's kind of like if you had geometry in high school, uh, when you did proofs, you know the answer you're wanting to get. You just had to do a proof. You had to get there, show the steps. I, being the nerd I was, I enjoyed proofs. Um, this, in ninth grade, I had geometry. Uh, my friends and I enjoyed them so much, we were called the proof masters. <laughs> it's a proud day in my life, I'm sure. My mom was very proud of me. It was a fun year that year. We put Ronald Reagan pictures all over our books, too, and big fans of Ronald. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> this, this is a proof. Um, this is showing, he's reminding believers, look, these are reasons we know Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so if we had time, we'd look at four reasons. Um, the first being your faith proves the resurrection in the first couple verses. Second, the scripture proves Christ's resurrection, verses three and four. Eyewitnesses prove Christ's resurrection, verses five to seven. And then Paul's own transformation proves Christ's resurrection. We're just going to look at the first two this morning. Both your faith proves Christ's resurrection and scripture proves Christ's resurrection. First of all, look again at verses one and two. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you were saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Paul says, I, I make known to you. And there's a, a tone of rebuke. He's saying, I'm reminding you of something, something you know, but I have to remind you of this. I'm reminding you of the gospel, which I preached to you. He had preached the gospel to them. They had received it. They were truly saved. And they currently stand in the gospel. So these are believers. And he says, brethren, clearly he sees them as believers. So he's not speaking to them as non-Christians, but he's saying, look, I preach this to you and you believed it and you stand in it now, unless you never believed it. He says in the second part of verse two there, if you hold fast, unless you believed in vain. He doesn't really believe that they're unbelievers, but he's saying, this is true and I know it's true. You wouldn't be saved if you weren't. And this is one way we know the resurrection is true because it has changed our lives. 
This is how we are still saved, because Christ rose from the dead. If Christ had not rose from the dead, we would not be standing in the truth. We would not be standing in the gospel. And hopefully you can look at your own life, what God has done in your own life. And you could say, yeah, I know it's true because God's changed me. He's taken me from a life of loving sin, of loving myself, seeking myself. And now I love him and I see things differently. On Friday, just a couple days ago, we went to my in-laws, um, my sister's sister and uh, father and and my nephew was there and his wife, Jacob and Charity. And I got to spend some time talking with them. And recently, God has gotten a hold of their lives. And they are understanding the gospel in a better way than they had before. And the way um, Charity said was, I feel like blinders were taken off my eyes. And I see the sin in the world and I don't want any part of it. And there she can say, and Jacob can say, I've changed. I know this is true. God has changed my life. And that is a truth. That is one reason we know the gospel is true, because it has changed us. And we can rejoice in that. You sit here today, and if you have an experience, if you have experienced change in your life, it's because Christ has risen from the dead. It's not because of anything you've done. Christ has conquered sin and conquered death, and now you are different. And that's one reason Paul reminds them how we know Christ has risen, our changed lives. But he gives another one in verses three and four. He says, I deliver to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So secondly, scripture proves Christ's resurrection. Paul reminds them of the truth that he had preached to them. So he says in the first couple verses, the gospel which you've received. Now he's going to explain what is the gospel message. What is of first importance? It's that Christ died, buried, raised again on the third day. And later he will talk about the appearance of Christ. But this is the gospel. This is the heart of the gospel, that Christ died, buried, and rose again. Now, he includes buried here when we don't usually talk about buried, and that's connected with his death showing that he did indeed die and was buried. It wasn't a, a fainting or something like that that some might try to claim. He was truly dead and was risen again. And Paul says, this is what I received. I'm not making this stuff up. He received it both from a human perspective, people taught him, but he also received it from God himself, didn't he? From Christ on the road to Damascus. He says, this is the truth I was given. Christ told me himself, I am the one you're persecuting. And he has risen. And Paul had seen the risen Christ on the road to Damascus. And he says, this is true. I've received it and scripture proclaims it. And Brian did such a good job showing from the Old Testament that our Messiah had to suffer and die. He had to bear the weight and the penalty of our sin. And he did so on the cross. And yet, praise God, it didn't end there. As you said, Brian, praise God that it, he rose from the dead and didn't stay in the grave. Now, one thing it's not obviously, a, it's not apparent in our English Bibles in verses three and four, is there's a change in tense in the verb. 
when it says Christ died for our sins, that's a completed action, past tense. And then he was buried. It's a completed action. But raised on the third day, that is in the perfect tense. That means it's a completed action, but with ongoing consequences. Something that has happened, but it continues. And that's the joy we have, that Christ is still alive. He still lives, and he is in heaven interceding for us. And the resurrection is a joy for us because we serve a living Savior. We don't serve someone who is dead and a martyr for the cause. Buddha died, uh, Muhammad died not to raise again. They're all in their graves. Um, even from this morning, when Paul's, or Peter's speaking about David, um, David the Old Testament, King David, he's in his grave as well. But Jesus Christ is not. He rose again. And so these are a couple of the reasons that Paul starts to give and says, this is how we know we will be raised one day because Christ was truly risen from the dead. And in verse three, he says, this is of first importance. Sometimes we don't think of Easter or Resurrection Sunday as a, a big holiday. Christmas is the big one. But I would say Resurrection Sunday is a big one. It is of first importance. We have reason to rejoice and reason to hope in the future. If we didn't have Resurrection Sunday, we would not have a future hope. And so as we think about that today, as you spend time with family, and as you spend time thinking about the resurrection, be joyful. Um, know that we have hope for the future, to think about life eternal, not just life in this world, but life after this world. In 1 Peter 1, 3, Peter puts it this way, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. That's how we have a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And so we have hope and we have joy. And at the end of 1 Corinthians 15, after Paul explains to them, all right, we all know Christ rose and what that means. We will also rise. He spends the most of the majority of 1 Corinthians 15. He ends in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, that passage. He ends it in this way with a therefore. Since Christ rose, we will rise. Therefore, what do we do now? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. So I leave you with that encouragement. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord for we will rise again one day because our Savior rose again. So let's pray together. Praise God. Our Father, we give you praise and we rejoice. This day is a great day of remembrance that our Savior did not remain in the grave, that he rose again and that he lives and intercedes for us still. And we thank you that his resurrection means one day we too will rise. That our faith is not in vain, but we can work hard to proclaim you, to live for you, 
knowing that we will be with you and rewarded together with you one day in heaven. We give you praise in the name of our risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.